I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The banger! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays with Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is episode 7777 of the Feeney Podcast. I'm Josh. And to break down this not great episode of Boy Meets World we've got going on, I am with Jacqueline. Jacqueline, uh, how's it going? What up? It's going great. It's election day here Mm -hmm. and you just told everyone that the episode is not great so everyone's probably already turned off their spotify and clicked to something else that is fair to be fair (laughs) the people that i know that listen have either already watched the episode and know that it's not great and are really just tuning in for us or are not going through and re-watching the episodes and just listening to us in which case they're going to listen to us no matter what we have to say so you know that's that's what it is. Think of how much power we yield. Like we are telling them if the episode's good or bad, you know? And yeah, they just have to take our word for it. <laughs> Fools. Idiots. <laughs> I've got nothing much to say up top here. Well, yeah, let's jump right in. All right. This is season two, episode seven, entitled Wake Up Little Corey. And we will talk about that title shortly. Uh, It aired on November 4th, 1994, and was directed by David Trainer, Mm -hmm. of course. Um, The Disney Plus synopsis is, literature comes alive for Corey. That's it. Cool. That is uh, very descriptive. (laughs) Yes. The Jacqueline synopsis is... After Corey and Topanga accidentally spend the night together at school, Topanga's reputation is at stake when classmates erroneously assume that they've had sex. In an attempt to be cool, Corey doesn't dispute the rumors, but ends up learning a lesson about basic human decency. Mm. I was trying to think, what does Corey learn a lesson about? Is it friendship? Is it honesty? And it's really just about not being a huge piece of shit. You're... Description nailed this episode. It is going to have a lot of our season two classic tropes. Yes. We've got literature, a Feeney Turner turf war, Harley and the boys. And uh, finally, which is a little different so far, is we get a lot of Topanga. Yes. This is the first episode where Topanga is heavily featured. First episode of season two. So let's talk about the title real quick before we get into the episode. Wake up little Corey is based on the song wake up little Susie," which i in my head i thought was a simon and garfunkel song and they did do it but it was originally made famous by the everly brothers in the 50s Four o'clock and we're in trouble deep. Wake up, please, Susie. 
And this title for this episode is interesting because unlike past episodes where they use a movie or a song title and they just are like shoving someone's name into it, this mm-hmm. one actually makes good sense because if you listen to the song and you listen to the lyrics, it mirrors like exactly the plot of the show. Interesting. You didn't you didn't catch that? You didn't listen to the lyrics? I searched Wake Up Little Corey. I saw Wake Up Little Susie. I got that far and then I played the first little bit and I was like, nah, I'll just listen to it later. <laughs> it's a really good song. It's catchy. It's familiar. Everybody knows this song. Yeah. So basically, as I mentioned in my synopsis, Corey and Topanga fall asleep together. People think that they've had sex, even though they haven't. And rumors and all of this. And in the song, Wake Up Little Susie, it's about a boy and a girl who are presumably at a drive-in movie. They're watching a movie and they fall asleep. And the guy is waking her up and saying, we're in trouble. We broke curfew. What will people say? Uh, So it's actually like an exact blow-by-blow of the Boy Meets World plot. Interesting. That is a really good connection to make there. And uh, I guess... This is like one of the first episode titles that actually, like you said, kind of like works really well on a lot of different levels. So, Right. Unlike me and Mr. Jode, where they just took the word Jode and shoved it in there. Shoehorned it in there. Right. A, if you have not caught it by the description already, this is a content warning for all you listeners out there that we are <laughs> going to get into some uh, pretty adult themes and conversations. So if you are listening with your little ones who should not be hearing about teenage sex now is the time to turn us off for later this episode of boy meets world is rated pg my friends and that stands for parental guidance uh but apparently Corey and sean are watching nypd blue which is super inappropriate not to mention the untouchables from last week yeah yeah so yes this one is a little bit more mature subject matter so basically the entire premise for this episode is, in my opinion, patently ridiculous. Two seventh grade kids fall asleep together in school overnight, which would never happen. And we can talk about why that would never happen later. But Mm -hmm. everyone jumps to the assumption that they have had sex and it causes all this craziness. And that to me is just insane. And like no teachers are nipping this in the bud. This rumor is just going rampant. Everyone thinks Corey's the king of the world. I mean, none of this rings true to me. Yeah, it is very far-fetched on all of those levels that you just mentioned. We will dive into those as we go through this. But you're right. The fact that like no one found them, that they were able to be in school, and no one knew that their parents didn't um, like have more concern about all of these things late at night, all of those things, just very, very implausible. Right. So the episode, though, as Josh alluded to, it does go back to what up until this point has been our classic season two formula, right? We're in Mr. Turner's class and the literature that he's teaching is going to closely mirror what's going on with Sean and Corey. So we've got that like literary backbone that's like, okay, here's what the plot of the episode is going to be. Yes. In this episode, it is Much Ado About Nothing, a Shakespeare play. And it is very similar in that there is, there kind of focuses on two couples. One of the couples that 
kind of wants to be together, but then they are not together. And then there are rumors about them and all of these rumors about this girl being promiscuous. So it actually is a very good, I mean, they clearly in this episode and maybe in a lot of these episodes are finding the literature first and then writing the episodes based on them. Yeah. I mean, this so much ado about nothing is according to the internet, about a ninth grade reading level. So again, one of the less egregious books that they've read, but still a little bit advanced for seventh graders, uh, unless they were super, super advanced readers. But Boy Meets World just loves Shakespeare. This is like the fourth probably Shakespeare play that we've done. But anyway, Mr. Turner is really upping his ugly tie game this week. Did you notice that tie? Oh my God. I had a note somewhere in here. I was wondering if the ties are purposefully ugly or if that actually was the style of the time. I don't know, but I I will say I was watching the movie The Mask last week with Jim Carrey because it was on with all like the Halloween stuff. Mm -hmm. And there is a scene where he's wearing a horrible tie and Cameron Diaz compliments him on it because she's like flirting with him and trying to distract him so she can case the bank. And he's like, oh, it's a power tie and like picks it up. So in my head, that was the terrible style of the early 90s. Those like bold, geometric, very high contrast ties that are just so ugly. But in truth, I do not know a lot about 90s men's fashion neckwear so i can't say i can't say for sure it seems like it it is not a bit that the creators of boy meets world would go to here and that it really was just like picking out these kind of like flashy ties for him but power ties yeah they are bad this would be if we had millions of listeners a great time for me to mention that i just bought my wedding tie along with ties for my brother and Jamie's brother for the wedding coming up. And I used Naughty Tie, K-N-O-T-T-Y, Naughty Tie. They have a million different patterns and then they you can go through and basically like custom select any of the colors that you want for all of the different shapes and styles. And it was, it's very fun to just go through and play around building these ties. And they came up with a nice nautical themed tie for the lighthouse wedding. A naughty nautical tie. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should reach out to them and see if um, they want to pay you for that commercial you just did for them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, just <laughs> naughtytie.com slash Feeny. For your promo, discount. <laughs> promo code Feeny. One day. One day we'll have sponsors. I think if they were trying to do an ugly tie bit, they'd have him in like, you know, like a horrible Halloween tie and then like a crappy election day tie but it's really just been like i don't know i think they're just trying to make him look style and i i have no idea uh with his like light wash jeans and his oversized suede shirt tucked in yeah he's got uh, a he's got a look it's a look for sure so anyway he's he's setting up the scene with an intro to much ado about nothing the class is asleep and he's writing Mm -hmm. what does he write like sex love and slander on the board and he's like really trying to get the class jazzed about this book but essentially they're just saying this is not relatable like none of this stuff is scandalous we see more scandalous stuff every week on melrose place And there's no way that a rumor would make a girl want to kill herself. This is so stupid. 
yeah, they reference a ton of TV shows and basically say that all of these TV shows are way more realistic. 400 years ago, like Shakespeare has no idea what he's talking about. This is, like you said, not relatable anymore. And even, even Topanga, who is the best of students, is kind of like nodding off in the beginning, in the front row there. Yeah, they're really, in this episode, they're really going to try to make Topanga a little bit more like quote unquote normal. They're backpedaling on a lot of the wacky stuff that they set up in Mm -hmm. season one with her. You know, she's a sleeping class. She's talking back to the teacher. She's not being her usual like suck up A plus student self. And then later she calls her parents mom and dad and she doesn't do the classic Jedediah and I can't even, Chloe. And she lies right to them. Yeah, so they're definitely trying to like establish her as a little bit more uh, palatable rather than her wacky self from season one. So essentially, the class is giving Mr. Turner a lot of attitude. And for about the millionth time in this show, a teacher is going to throw their entire lesson plan into the shredder because Corey has mouthed off in class. And now they will off the cuff create a new assignment for the whole class with the seemingly sole intention of just putting Corey in his place and teaching him a lesson. Already we've hit on three classic Boy Meets World tropes, which is one, literature (laughs) during the episode. Two, Corey like putting his foot in his mouth in class. And three, just kind of throwing out of the lesson plan and coming up with something that's going to like be cool and interesting and and some project for them. And we're going to get a fourth one here in just a second. Yeah, so... Mr. Turner basically is like, okay, well, if the play isn't interesting to you, maybe TV will get through to you because for some reason we're all sitting here talking about NYPD Blue, which I didn't realize that show went for 12 seasons. It was, uh, yeah, it was edgy. People love that. Yeah, that was like one of the first shows on TV with like cursing and naked butts and stuff. Naked butts. (laughs) Butts. It's apparently on uh, Hulu. Maybe we should go back and... Is it good? Do people generally like the show? I know that it was good at the time. I don't know if it necessarily holds up. Like, it might be uncomfortable to rewatch it. Yeah. That seems... Oh, Jimmy Smith's. I do love me some Jimmy Smith's, though. Oh, I love Jimmy Smith's. That's true. Yeah, but, you know, I I don't know. It kind of... I felt like when I rewatched The Sopranos, I was like, wow, this actually is very hard to watch. it's, It's not good. Like, the writing is just not good. Right, like it was groundbreaking at the yeah. time, but then you watch it now and you're like, this is a joke. Hopefully I don't get hate mail about that. Well, you're that, definitely like, going frankly, to. frankly, fight me on that because it's crap. But at the time it was a huge deal. And I, I kind of in my brain have NYPD Blue in that same genre, yeah. but who knows? Maybe, maybe it's still really good. Don't know. Basically, Mr. Turner has now assigned them to do a documentary. The premise of this documentary the objective is very unclear apparently it's just about love and sex quote unquote so once again i would like to see a rubric for this assignment because i do not understand the objective i don't know what the students are supposed to be learning here and it seems like he's just telling them to take a video camera and go talk to each other about sex yeah i'm generally with mr turner in the turner feeny debates which is what we're going to get next which is Mr. Feeney complaining that he's kind of thrown out the lesson plan and he's going on this, this project that seems a little edgy and, and a little dangerous for these seventh graders to trust them with all of these adult topics. 
And like I said, I'm usually with Mr. Turner here, but there is no clear path. And I think if Mr. Feeney had said, like, what is the point of this? I, I would support you if you had a clear vision for this, but you're really throwing it away just to like kind of dick around with these kids. I think it would be more valid. But Mr. Feeney just objects on the principle of changing things to change them. Right. So yeah, here's our, our latest episode trope. Mr. Feeney has somehow in 30 seconds <laughs> between classes yeah. gotten wind of Mr. Turner's new assignment. He, he really must have a spy or he has that classroom bugged. And he comes in and he is once again, none too pleased with Mr. Turner's methods. And it's setting up stodgy Mr. Feeney versus the young hotshot cool guy teacher, Mr. Turner. And Mr. Feeney is basically saying like, we should not be encouraging them to be talking about sex and love and rumors. We should just be educating them and making the material relatable to them in the classroom without them having to like go off on this wild tangent of a documentary and to your point, I, I don't think his objections were the right objections. Yeah, he says, these things have no place in school. I'd rather just, like, have them think about these things when we're done with them after, which, like, he's, he's in high school now. Like, this isn't elementary school anymore, Mr. Feeney. Like, these things need to be talked about in school, in a setting where you can control the narrative and message and give correct information. So he's got either a lot to learn about being in high school or he needs to kind of change some of these old school ways because that shit don't fly anymore. Right. I don't think the problem is the subject matter or the problem is that they're given a project to work on unsupervised, which like is how projects work. So I don't really get that objection. But I think the problem is that what are these kids supposed to learn from doing this? When when we get into the next scenes where it's Corey and Topanga, they're actually, Corey and Topanga pair up because Mr. Turner, uh, for his final flourish, makes the students get into boy-girl partners for this assignment. Which like is either the right move or it was just that was the only way he could keep Corey and Sean from pairing up together, which would have been a disaster. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the point of that was. <laughs> yeah, maybe so that for every guy who was going to have a really immature take on sex and love, he was balancing it with a girl who, you know, girls tend to mature faster than boys. So maybe that was it. But yeah, when Corey and Topanga actually start working on their documentary, it's just nonsense. They literally, the next 10 minutes of this episode is them walking around school and home, pointing the camera in people's faces and asking them open-ended questions about sex and love. Like there's no tie into the literature at all. Right. Exactly. Which is maybe, that's how I would have interpreted this assignment as a kid too. So I'm not sure that Corey and Topanga are necessarily doing anything wrong. It's just, they didn't have very clear guidance. In order, they do Topanga, Joey, Sean, Harley, Corey gives a one-liner, then Mr. Turner, then Eric, and then Corey's parents. What about so Mr. Feeney? Does... Mr. Feeney's in there too. Oh, that's the, that's the one. That was the one-liner. Okay. That's the Feeney one-liner about be careful with that equipment mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, Feeney. So eight different interviews over the course of the next few minutes here. I think the only thing worth mentioning about the interviews is that this is Eric's only appearance in this episode, and he... Uh, takes this opportunity to basically make himself a video dating profile. And it's kind of funny. Hi. 
I'm a romantic guy, so to me, love is very important. And you girls would be surprised to learn that I'm currently available. Yeah, good. And if this was a dating service, I'd care. Now talk about your attitudes towards love. Oh, I'm in favor. I'm also in favor of candlelit dinners and long romantic walks on the beach. It's pretty funny, but unfortunately, it's, it's our only little taste of Eric in this whole episode. No Morgan. No. I mean, she's a little young to be interviewed about sex, so... Corey and Topanga now are getting ready to edit all of this footage. And I don't know if you ever did any video editing or uh, videography when you were young in the early and mid nineties, but those big cameras that took those big VHS tapes. And then later on, you'd have the little VHS Mm -hmm. tapes that went into the big VHS tapes. And then they just kept on shrinking the technology. Uh, This is classic. I never did a ton of like reel-to-reel editing like what they're doing now where you have to actually like pause the video and cut it and all of that but it seems like the high school is on the cutting edge of video technology yeah which makes me wonder like how many cameras did they have on hand to loan out to this class and like if Corey and Topanga have to do this editing in school how is everyone else getting theirs done like they're the only group that's there after school working on their editing so like what's everybody else doing Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to ask those sorts of questions in this episode, particularly. That's so funny. I do remember those tiny VHS tapes that you'd have to put inside of a bigger VHS tape Mm -hmm. to get it to play in your VCR. Those were the days. Those were the days. I think my favorite part of the episode is Corey is making his first cut and he kind of purposely edits Topanga's line to make it kind of seem scandalous and funny. And then Topanga goes full on Homer Simpson and like reaches across and starts choking him. Are you little? Honestly, I didn't even notice that. (laughs) That's so funny. It was funny. It was like full on, like she grabs him and rings him by the neck and he's like got his tongue flopping out. Classic Bart Simpson. It was, it was good. I don't know if it was actually an allusion to that or not, but that's where my mind went immediately. I have to go back and watch that again. I, I totally miss that. But yeah, so it's after school. It's getting close to dinner time. Corey and Topanga are in some closet somewhere editing their movie. Yeah. And they both fall asleep. Well, first they call and lie to their parents. And Corey says he's at Topanga's house. Topanga says she's at Corey's house. And they fall asleep. And for some insane reason, nobody's parents are calling the other house when it's late and nobody's home. Yeah, a little bit later, they will say that they that the Matthews did try to call over and there was no answer. So they assumed that they were maybe on their way to drop Corey back off. Right, but why didn't Topanga's parents, and maybe, and maybe they were out driving around looking for Topanga, but they knew that she said she was at Corey. So you'd think the first thing that they would do when it's nine o'clock, eight o'clock, and she's not home yet is call the Matthews house. And we know they were home and they would have picked up the phone, but everyone's just assuming like, ah, those, those 12 year old kids, they're fine. They'll figure it out. And they don't come home that night. Yeah. I just wonder like what is going on in the writing room when they're piecing together this, this episode and they're, they're like, do they rationalize these things? Or are they just like, Hey, this is a kid's show. Like we don't need to worry about this. (laughs) Like who cares? We'll just blow by this. Or are they actually thinking like how to resolve? Cause this is like, 
this is egregious. Like your parents would need you to be home. Alan would not fall asleep on the couch. He would be up sick worrying about where his son was. I mean, the fact that they put in the scene where Alan is like, I'll wait up for him. And then him waking up in the morning and like, where's Corey? Leads me to believe they were trying to rationalize it, but they just didn't do a very good job. I mean, they really, they can only pack so much plot into 24 minutes or whatever. So yeah, this kind of fell by the wayside, but lo and behold, Corey and Topanga did not make it home that night. And they are found the next morning asleep on the floor in the editing room, discovered by none other than Janitor Bud and Mr. Feeney. Yeah, Janitor Bud finds them and then runs to get Mr. Feeney. Don't worry about Corey and Topanga not having enough food because there were a couple of juice boxes. And remember some of those like deluxe, like black and yellow cookies? They're kind of like Oreos, but one side was a vanilla cookie and one side was a chocolate cookie. He had a sleeve of those too. So they got plenty of nourishment that night. Don't you worry about that. Oh, those cookies are uh, awful. Cookies and juice. That sounds terrible. You know what I used to love actually was a nice chocolate chip, like Chips Ahoy cookie and dipping it in lemonade. Ew. Cookies and lemonade was so gross. Like welcome to every it. church, vacation, Bible school, <laughs> snack time, cookies and lemonade. That was nasty. I love that combination. You know what they uh, used to do after like the children's service at synagogue growing up was fruit punch and like fresca or Sprite or like that like bubbly fruit punch kind of like mixture. Oh, that was so good. We used to do, I, I don't like fruit punch, but I love fresca. But in Girl Scouts, we used to do this drink where you'd put like a whole thing of orange sherbet into a punch bowl and then you would just like pour ginger ale on top of it. Mm. Did you ever have that? No, but Jamie got a Jamba Juice uh, smoothie the other day and it was the orange dreamsicle, which I would imagine tastes very similar to that. It was exactly like that. It was like the sherbet would melt all into the ginger ale. Oh my, and you're literally just drinking ice cream. It was the best, but I cannot abide cookies and lemonade. And I'm pretty sure that's where my acid reflux started at age eight. (laughs) And tech really locked you in early. Dude, no, that's been recalled. Oh, that's the one that's got all the... (laughs) Yeah, my doctor was like, so we're going to need to write you a new prescription because that stuff will give you cancer. I'm like, oh, great. Switch over to Prilosec. (laughs) Only been taking one a day for the past three years. (laughs) Anywho... Yeah, so, you know, they are immediately brought into Mr. Feeney's office and he doesn't really know what to do with them. He's basically just like, you're going to be punished. This is egregious. I don't know how to punish you. So like, go home and I'll figure it out later. And Topanga, you know, they tell him nothing happened. We just fell asleep. It was an accident. But Topanga goes up to Mr. Feeney's desk and kind of leans in and is like, is it okay if we don't tell anyone about this? You know, the implication being, of course, that like she understands that if people know that she spent the night with a boy in school, that they're going to have some stuff to say about that. That is not going to be very kind, which makes me wonder why she was so resistant earlier when they were talking about much ado about nothing to the idea that like a rumor could really damage someone's reputation. It's like, Okay, so clearly you do understand what Mr. Turner was saying before, and you just were being a little dense about it. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's school and rumors get spread like wildfire and everybody claps for Corey when he walks out. And he 
He doesn't hate the attention. Yeah, it's very, very sad. Mr. Feeney's like, nobody has to know. He's being very sensitive. But as soon as they walk out into the hallway, you know, school has started at this point um, because they get discovered when Mr. Feeney arrives for school that morning. All the students start clapping. So how did everybody find out? I must believe that Janitor Bud is a total gossip. Yeah. He told everyone because no one else knew that they were there. That doesn't surprise me, though. He seems like the one who would kind of be like, (laughs) hey, you hear about the uh, kids that spend the night in the... So that's oh shocking, janitor Bud. It is, it is sad, and Corey is a little bit resist. He likes the attention, but he's a little bit resistant to why he's getting it at first. But it's it's really when Harley, who's been his biggest nemesis since day one of high school, comes over and is about to give him some actual respect that he goes full blown lie. Yeah. So Sean comes up to him and he's explaining why everyone is clapping because everyone is like, dude. Everyone knows about you in Topanga. And Corey's like, no, I'm not, I'm not the man. I didn't, nothing happened. I, that, I didn't do that. And Topanga's like standing there listening to all of this. And so he's trying to like set Sean straight. But as soon as Harley and Joey come over, no Frankie for some reason, no mm. Frankie in this mm. episode. Maybe Ethan Suplee was filming Don's Plum at the time, but <laughs> I digress, I digress. As soon as Harley and Joey come over, Corey realizes like, oh, like people actually think I'm cool. And they straight up ask him, did you sleep with Topanga? And he says, yes. Yeah. So he really, at, at this point, he's not just going along with the rumor and not refuting it. He is actively lying. Yeah, he's embracing it. And then- Mr. Feeney's next move is to go and and basically put this whole thing on Mr. Turner and goes in and berates him and says, this is all your fault. Like, I knew this was going to happen. This was a terrible idea. And I'm wondering how you feel about Feeney blaming Mr. Turner for this whole incident. I don't think that any of this is Mr. Turner's fault. But, and not to belabor the point, but I don't think that Mr. Turner gave them very clear (laughs) guidelines for this project. But no, this is not Mr. Turner's fault. But perhaps if they had had a intelligent discussion about the themes of the book and what it actually all meant before he just sent them off to do this project then Corey maybe would have had a little bit of self-awareness about what was happening, but they didn't do that. Corey made some smart comment and Mr. Turner was like, all right, smart Alec, you're going to learn your own lesson then and then put them on this project and didn't actually spend any time talking about like what all of this meant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe even just like having a sign-up sheet for the uh, editing bay really would have just limited this from <laughs> happening too. It's a good right. old piece of paper. But uh, anyway, we're going to get to now we're coming to the climax of the episode and, and this is where things start to come to a head for Corey. So yeah. Corey's at home. He's obviously grounded. He's so grounded, in fact, that when Sean comes in to check on him, he tells him that his kids are grounded. So it's definitely pretty bad. This scene is horrible, horribly cringy. Mm. Corey is in trouble for spending the night at school and for lying about where he was. But his parents don't know about this whole Topanga sex rumor thing. But Alan overhears Sean and Corey talking about it and confronts Corey about what's going on. And Corey shamelessly 
tells his dad that he can't tell people that he didn't have sex with Topanga because people think he's cool now. Yeah, people like him now. Yeah, and he's not having any awareness of like how terrible this is and like how what he's saying is really bad. And Alan kind of gets cut off and doesn't even like have a conversation with him about it because Topanga shows up. And now Topanga is confronting Corey about his lie. And in my opinion, all things considered, she's handling this whole thing pretty maturely, don't you think? Yeah, this is maybe the first of a a pretty common Boy Meets World cliche we're going to see for years to come, which is Topanga just being smarter and more mature and handling situations way better than Corey. And this is the, I think, for me at least, the first example of her coming in and instead of like yelling at him and just like being immature or just even like it would be acceptable if she went in and just started yelling at Corey and told him he was an asshole and never wanted to see him again. She like goads him and knows exactly how to get Corey to basically like realize what he did was fucked up. Yeah. She pretty much confronts him with like perfect words. She's not emotional. She's not crying or yelling, which she should be in my opinion. But what's, insane is that Corey pretty much doubles down on his like this lie is no big deal excuse like he doesn't apologize he's just like man whatever it's just a stupid rumor and like next week there'll be a different rumor and at that point she should have like punched him in the gut or something but instead she's just like you have ruined my reputation I don't want to talk to you and you're a bad person and just like very calmly exits yeah i want my good name back Corey. and he even tries to make a joke at that point which is just come on Corey. like situational awareness here this is not the time for that joke Corey. no no and yeah she and she rightfully storms out and Corey, you know could have very well have just like lost one of his best closest friends in this moment yeah and i thought there was going to be like a Corey eric heart to heart or like Corey and Amy, like her setting him on the right path. But it seems like all Corey needed was a few words from Topanga to realize what was going on because the next day in school, um, for some reason, Mr. Turner still thinks it's a good idea to like show their video to the class without watching it first to see what's on there. (laughs) <laughs> and for some reason, there's like 25 people packed into this classroom yeah, to watch the adults? movies. I have no idea if it's like kids' parents or other teachers, but they're like packed to the rafters in this room to watch these videos. And he's like, all right, well, I haven't watched this yet, but we're just going to put it on and see what happens. And Mr. Feeney's there, of course, trying to like talk him out of showing it. But in the end, Corey's like, you know, we should watch it. And we see that Corey has edited their video with, uh, he's interjected a weak ass apology into it and recorded over their school project without telling Topanga. Is in itself is a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> the first half of the project is the like best parts of every interview that they did earlier where like everyone, even the people who said stupid things did have like a nice thing to say during their interviews. So you piece together all these nice things about love, which doesn't again really get to the point of this at all, but they're nice things. And then 
finally, you know, he admits to not doing anything and that he was wrong and he should have been more mature. And, you know, it's a little bit of a redeeming moment. It's I guess. super weak. He never actually says what he did wrong, who he did it to. He never says, I did not have sex with Topanga to the Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He doesn't do any of that. He just is like being very vague and he's like, sometimes when people think you did something, it wouldn't be fair to other people to let them think that you did something when you really didn't. And like, of course we know what he's talking about, but like, dude, just actually apologize and like say what you're going to say and don't record over half of your school project. Like you just deleted half of that video and now what grade is Topanga going to get? But I will say... He does have a redeeming moment at the end where he says, I guess we haven't come as far as we thought we had in the past 400 years. Like basically Shakespeare kind of had a point. Rumors can ruin people's lives. Who would have thought? Yeah, he only had to actually ruin someone's life to come to that conclusion. I guess Mr. Turner couldn't have just given some real life examples of that happening in the past 20 years that maybe would have been relevant to the class. Is this a good time to play the song Rumors by Fleetwood Mac? Mm, no. What about Rumors by... What was, who did that song? Jason Drulo? No, it was like Danity Kane or something. Oh. <laughs> that, won't, that, won't, that won't make the cut. Now I, um, now I need to know. As weak as it was, Topanga, I think, realizes Corey's intentions with this video were good, and she accepts his apology, and they are friends again with a nice little handshake. This is going to be the first of a run of episodes focusing on Corey and Topanga's relationship. And it, I guess, started great. And then things get a little rocky for the first time in the relationship here. And and he kind of pulls it back here at the end. Oh my God. Do you know who does that rumor song that I was just thinking of? No. Lindsay Lohan. Really? Yes. You know, and this is this ending, this is what Feeney was pretty much getting at the whole time, right? Is that like Mr. Turner in trying to like teach these students, you've basically just proved that like we are all still operating by the same set of rules that Shakespeare was in his time and that like sex and love are still complicated and taboo and like can have real life repercussions. Maybe the kids did learn something then. Maybe this ended up being the lesson that they needed to learn. I guess. I mean, we know that the lesson was learned because there was a there was touching flute music, mm-hmm. as usual, as yep. Corey and Topanga shake hands and decide to be friends. So. so that's that. We get candidate for possibly the worst kind of post-credit final scene of an episode in this one, too. Oh, yeah. I hope you're keeping track of worst post-credit scenes for this season, because this one is definitely in the running. Oh, just come on, Hart. I don't actually even really know what he was talking about here, but I, I just didn't want to give it any more thought. I just let it end. Yeah, essentially, it's just one of one of the like point of view camera interviews from earlier in the episode that they're doing with Harley Kiner. And he's saying like, 
he starts off by saying about how like literature doesn't portray romance accurately. And you're like, this is kind of interesting for him to be saying, but then he goes like romance is my Chevy Impala and like a girl in the backseat. And you're like, okay, it was, it was bad. It was stupid. Yeah. I'm so done with, with Harley. Like I know in general, I don't think he's done with us. No, he's not. He's not. All right, well, we're going to hit, like I said, a stretch of episodes here where Topanga's going to play a main role. We're going to get a lot of like lessons in love for Corey over the next couple of episodes. So maybe we'll see Corey mature a little bit more in his, uh, his beliefs here. Mm, maybe. Or maybe he'll just continue speaking out in class, getting himself extra assignments. Who knows? tough to tell but we'll find out and you all will know when we drop episodes because you can follow us at feeny podcast on instagram you can subscribe and like our podcast on spotify or on apple podcasts or on stitcher or anywhere that you can find a podcast you can find our beautiful voices yes please follow along and join us every friday for new episodes we will see you again or I guess we never actually see any of you, which is sad, but we will be with you again next week. And thank you all for listening. Hope you all have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Bye.